growth hacking is really sort of focused. It's about how can we get into profit as quick as possible? How can we get that kind of, you know, 10x, 20x ROI really, really quickly? Welcome to Tech Marketers Uncorked. Every episode, I share a glass of wine with a leader in the tech marketing field, bringing you the best B2B marketing strategies for you to make your own. Joining me today is Lucy Havens, VP of Marketing at Hokodo. Hokodo is the leading B2B pay later solution provider in Europe. They aim to shake up the way that businesses buy from each other with their innovative tech solutions. Lucy is a true marketing all-rounder and would be the first to tell you that she's a bit of a tech obsessive. She's a regular industry contributor on all things fintech and regtech, and consistently features on lists like Katurtsi's 100 Women in Finance Power list and the Innovate Finance Women in Fintech Power list. But before we get into the marketing chat, let's open a bottle of Spanish Red. Campania Vinacola del Norte de España was founded by two brothers nearly 150 years ago. While other wineries simply wanted to get their wines to market as quickly as possible, the founders of CVNE wanted to do things differently. These brothers decided to take a risk and let the wine age before selling it, creating an incredible 80,000 bottle wine capacity in their cellar. Today, the company is run by the same family, producing award-winning wines in more than 90 countries. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, it smells really fruity. It smells nice. It does. Definitely more kind of fruity, I would say. Like more on the blackberry, you know, that sort of side. Well, apparently this was founded in 1879 and has been in the hands of the same family ever since. Wow. Fifth generation of founders from hand-picked grapes. It ages for a minimum of one year in French and American oak casks, followed by further aging in the bottle prior to its release. So it's quite a, yeah, it's quite a nice wine. I really like red wine. It goes well with like meat and kind of more heartier dishes, especially in the winter. Yes. I always drink red in the winter and white in the summer. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of a sweet wine. I uh, no. like either like a full body red which this matches a bill for, actually, or like a light, crisp white wine. And, yeah, it depends on where I'm drinking, but, like, red wine to me is always in front of the fire. Mom's a big fan of red wine, so in the fire in a cabin in the woods is the perfect place for red wine. Or a Sunday. For me, it's a Sunday afternoon with a roast, big roast dinner. And yeah, a big, like, hearty meal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Today, we're not here to talk about wine as much as I'd love to, but to talk about growth hacking. So, I mean, I think probably like the first question really is what is growth hacking to you? I mean, we hear so many different definitions and it's always one of those things that's kind of unclear, like what exactly does it mean and how would you define growth hacking? Uh, It's a really interesting question and I'll be honest, you know, having been kind of in marketing for for quite a number of years, like like yourself, and, you know, you hear all of these new terms coming up, don't you? Like, you know, content marketing and kind of growth hacking and, you know, you sort of think, you know, at the base of it all, is it just marketing? <laughs> is it just kind of good marketing? But yeah, growth hacking is, is, as the name suggests, it's really just, it's about being 
uber focused on growth basically and it kind of came from I did a little bit of, of searching actually but it did come from originally it has been around for, for 12 years which surprised me when I found that out it does surprise me because you think that it's yeah. only been like a few, few years and it's quite a new concept but exactly it came originally actually from you know more from kind of the startup space where startup companies needed a way to to grow fast to grow profitably and to to do it on a low budget as well <laughs> So that's kind of where the growth hacking sort of came from. And it's really just about that constant kind of test and learn process all the time. You know, I think if you was to kind of compare it to sort of traditional marketing, traditional marketing is about having kind of, you know, longer campaigns that run for a longer sort of period of time. But growth hacking is really sort of focused. It's about how can we get into profit as quick as possible? How can we get that kind of, you know, 10x, 20x ROI really, really quickly? And if you find that you're running a, a particular kind of growth hacking campaign or, you know, tactic, if you're not seeing those results coming in fast enough, then make that decision like really quick and kind of kill it or change it up. Yeah. So growth hacking is more of like a mindset than it is like a particular technique. Because one of the things I always think of when I think about growth hacking is like PPC and paid. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between growth hacking and PPC and where does PPC kind of fit within growth hacking? Are they just commonly like confused or intermingled because PPC is known for delivering quick results? What's the connection there? So I think it's to do with that ROI. It's getting to that kind of, the, like I said, the 10 or 20, 40x ROI super quickly. And, you know, you pick the channels where you're going to be able to see those kind of quick, that quick return. So first of all, I suppose to take a step back, it's, you know, you've got to have the ability to be able to track and measure the results of the campaign in place. And when you look at some of the channels like PPC, for example, they're a lot easier to measure and track ROI than, say, the kind of traditional PR route. You know, how do you measure the, the ROI really from that? It's one of those big questions, right? So I think that's why it's, yeah, people automatically think that for growth hacking, it is just kind of about PPC. It's not. It's about kind of those running kind of tactics or campaigns that you can measure and measure the ROI kind of really quickly out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're creating a growth hacking campaign for the first time, what are some of like the channels or techniques that you'd look to use? I think probably the best way to kind of talk about channels is to talk about kind of examples. I mean, we're marketers, right? We like the kind of whole like storytelling. So, you know, I can, yeah, I can kind of say the channels, but maybe let's have a look at a couple of examples. So one of them is referral marketing, for instance. I was looking at for some examples and I think one of the best examples here is is companies like um, Uber or Deliveroo, where they offer vouchers or incentives for people to you know, refer so they get something back. So straight away, you can measure the ROI on that. If you find that you're offering or you're running a referral campaign and that people aren't, you know, interested and you're not seeing those, you know, referrals coming through, you know, or that kind of, you know, what you're spending versus the, the revenue that you're bringing in ratio is not your sort of 10, 20x, then stop doing it straight away, you know, and it's easy to stop doing that and to kind of move on to something else. So that was kind of one of the, the channels or, or ideas, referral marketing. Another one was influencer marketing. And I found one which was brilliant, actually, and it was back in the 1970s. So this is like way before, obviously, growth right, <laughs> <laughs> marketing was kind of a thing, you know, but it was um, it was the World Cup. It was Puma. Puma paid Pele. So they paid him 120K to wear their trainers. 
And what they asked him to do, though, was just before kickoff, they asked him to bend down and tie his shoelaces up. And of course, naturally, what happened was the camera zoomed in on him tying his shoelaces and obviously a nice big close up of the shoe. Absolutely perfect. I mean, I couldn't find what the return was exactly on that. It's not kind of published, but you can only imagine, right, if they've paid 120k to Pele. But yeah, the return on that, I bet, was absolutely massive with obviously every kid then wanting that pair of shoes that Pele had for the World Cup. So um, yeah, influencer marketing is definitely a good one. Another one is creating free tools. So one of the companies that did this really well that, that I've kind of been part of, or I sort of participated in actually, was HubSpot. So they created this tool. I've used it a few times at previous companies where you can measure the performance of your website. And they, they gave that away for completely for free. But what they did was very clever. So you got kind of like a certain snippet of your performance and then you had to kind of sign up to get, you know, the full report. But then what they were asking me to do, which was really interesting, was to share, to get more insights. So there was kind of this um, like a drip campaign after that said, you know, you got all of these really fantastic insights from your website. But, um, you know, if you share, we'll give you some more insights. And I did exactly that. I fell into the trap, even though I'm a marketer myself. And um, I remember sharing it with, you know, sending it out on WhatsApp, actually, to a couple of the marketing groups I'm in. Like, you know, have a look at this. It's really cool. You know, it's a free tool. You can easily track the performance of your or measure the performance of your website. So that was um, really interesting because obviously then they were getting me to do kind of their dirty work <laughs> in terms of acquisition. You know, I'm sure they got thousands and thousands of signups from that. And then kind of a bit of an old school one from me. Um, one of my sort of favorite go tos is ebooks. I think they're quite, you know, you maybe have some insights on this from kind of what you do as well. But, you know, they're really kind of easy to put together, you know, that sort of educational content, you know, a nice kind of concise format. But the trick is kind of take that HubSpot example that I used about sharing and, you know, get people to kind of share that educational content. So make sure in the ebook that you add lots of like shareable links or a bit like that referral program. You know, maybe you could offer them some additional insight on their business or something if they shared that ebook with their network. So, yeah, this is all kind of growth hacking because, like I say, you want to get to that big number of signups, of leads, you know, really, really quickly. So it's finding those little kind of tricks and ways of doing things. Yeah. So, like, growth hacking is all about getting results quickly. Yeah. But how do you balance that with, like, more long-term activities? Because some things, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So some sometimes things take longer to build and to achieve. So how do you balance, you know, growth hacking campaigns and getting quick results with, you know, more of some of the long-term things? You know, should you be thinking about both or, like, just focused on growth? Or, you know, what do you think? It's a, it's a question I get asked all the time, actually. And I think it really depends on the, not to sort of dodge the question, but it really depends on kind of the state of the business or what the goals of the business are. I think, you know, it comes back to that kind of that data question and sort of measuring, you know, the channels that you've got, you know, what, what you're trying to achieve. You know, to me, the, the long term is more about the brand awareness and, you know, measuring customer loyalty and, and those sorts of things. But um, for the growth hacking is that more short term of like bringing in the leads. You know, it's uh, going back to what I was saying at the start, I suppose, about, you know, some of those PR channels. You know, you don't measure the success of PR through the amount of leads that you bring in, right? So, 
yeah, that's kind of the same thing to me versus that kind of uh, long term versus the short term. The short term, whether you want to call it growth hacking or just kind of lead demand generation, it's about measuring the sort of the uh, based on the leads that you're bringing in. The long term is more about that measuring your kind of brand awareness and the and the customer loyalty. Yeah. And I imagine that like some of the things in growth hacking are easier to achieve if you have brand awareness. So like Uber's refer a friend. I mean, people would refer Uber because they knew Uber, not because Uber was just like some random brand off the street or even the HubSpot example. I mean, if you saw somebody's website and it was like from the 1990s and looked really dodgy, like you probably wouldn't give them your information to be able to get your data. So, I mean, these brands are like channeling growth hacking, but they're also brands that are established and, like, have some brand awareness already. So do you think that, are there any, like, foundational things you should do before you start a growth hacking campaign? I think, you know, the first thing I would say, well, there's, uh, say two things. The first thing I would say would be to to kind of set the goals. First of all, what is it that you're looking to achieve? You know, what does a lead mean, for example? And, you know, making sure that you're sitting down. And actually, that's a, I think, to kind of back up a little bit. That's the thing I, you know, I probably would say as well is a growth hacking isn't just, to me, part of the marketing function. It's more of a, like you said, a, you know, a change of, of mindset that needs to be right across the organization. So you all need to be on board with the fact that we are going to go into, you know, quote, you know, growth hacking mode and kind of really try to sort of increase the, uh, you know, the lead generation sort of tactics and campaigns that we're doing. And that, yeah, like I say, that mindset needs to be changed right the way across because, you know, if you're just doing it in marketing and bringing all those leads in, but then you haven't got that growth mindset in the sales team that are following up on the leads, you know, it's not going to be successful. It's going to look like the growth hacking isn't successful. So, yeah, so to be sure about your goals um, and be clear across the organization about what it is you're trying to achieve. I think is the first point to start. And then the second is is good quality content. You know, a lot of people think when, when you say content, they think straight away written content, like blogs. You know, that's a piece of content or a big white paper. That's content. But content to me could be anything. It's, you know, it's content on your website. It's a video is a piece of content. Demos or... Content is just conversations, really. Exactly. Yeah. There's lots of ways to have conversations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is growth hacking, is it suitable for all companies or are there some companies that it's more suited to? So, like, for example, I know from having worked with a lot of big companies, it's often harder for big companies to move quickly. And, you know, the speed of growth hacking might not be, you know, suitable when you have to go through endless PO and procurement but also, like, the examples you shared were obviously from big brands. So, I mean, is it suitable for all brands, or are there any brands that maybe shouldn't do growth hacking? That's a really, really good question, because like we said, it's sort of, I suppose if you look at the history, it has, you know, stemmed from the kind of the the startup world, where everything is about, you know, fast and kind of lower budgets. But, you know, if you think of some of the big companies, growth hacking could be a really clever way to test out any kind of new products, Oh my goodness, there was a um, one that I read in an article where Coca-Cola, so back in, oh my goodness, I think it was like the 80s or something, they released a new product called New Coke because they realised, I think, that people weren't calling it Coca-Cola, they were saying like Coke. So they kind of, you know, released this new sort of can that said like New Coke and it completely flopped. There was a little bit of growth hack in there, you could argue, because they were very quick to like bring that new product to market and then to realise that it wasn't 
taking off. So they, you know, quickly scaled back and and went back to, you know, what they're good at. (laughs) It sounds like growth hacking tends to run around campaigns rather than like the long term or rather than like a consistent strategy. It tends to run in like a campaign. So campaigns normally run three, six, maybe even nine months. But there's always a fixed, definite period of time that a campaign will run. So is growth hacking only campaign-based or can it work the other way as well where it's more an everyday part of, you know, the BAU part of marketing? The short answer to that, I would say, is yes. You know, to me, it is kind of very campaign-based. Where I would kind of um, challenge that a little bit, and again, you've probably come across this, but everybody you speak uh, speak to in marketing has got a different idea of what a campaign is, even outside of marketing, right? Very true. (laughs) I, I have this all the time, you know, with other marketers where, you know, I'll say, you know, we want to run a campaign. I mean, to me, and this is just because of the world that I live in and, and the background that I have working kind of in fintech and in more kind of on the banking side, but a campaign is a multi-channel, multi-touch, <laughs> lots of different pieces of content to kind of tell a story. It's a way of telling a story across multiple channels. And I use the word kind of multi-touch there because in, you know, in our world, we, we're not selling kind of SaaS solutions here. So it's not, you know, just somebody goes on and, and kind of signs up, you know, self-serve. It's, um, you know, having to kind of touch someone with a piece of content at least 12 times, you know, before they even speak to a salesperson, for example. So, you know, that's a kind of a campaign to me. But then you do speak to some people where a campaign is, you know, maybe sending out an email. Yeah. Or producing an ebook. I tend to see a a campaign as like being around something. So like it could be around, say, that football example. You know, it could be around a football event or around a product launch like Coke did, even though it didn't work. Tends to be like have a focus point. It tends to have like a central point, whether that's an event or a new product or something that like can be the center of the world around that campaign. So, I mean, if you were to create a growth like a growth hacking campaign, first you probably need something that you can center that around. And then you mentioned earlier that you need to set KPIs. But, you know, how would you start to build a growth hacking campaign? You need two things. You need a story to tell. And to your point, I would call that thing that you want to put it around is like a hero piece, a hero piece of content. Uh, let's take with the hero piece of content first. Yeah, I agree. You need that kind of chunky piece of content, whether it be, you know, an ebook or one of my kind of hacks, I suppose, is I use webinars. So I use webinars very different to how I used them before COVID. So pre-COVID, webinars were lead generation tools for me. So, you know, you would host a webinar, you would get you know, a bunch of signups, you know, absolutely great. And, you know, they were all leads, you know, that's fantastic. But now, because of, uh, you know, what changed during COVID where so much went online, we kind of got, you know, completely kind of saturated really with with information, you know, all of this digital information, all of this content now, it's just crazy. So people don't consume webinars the way that they used to. They don't sign up to a webinar block time out of their diary and watch it live. You know, they they might sign up, they might not even watch it. Most of the time, right? I do it all the time. Um, good intentions, but, you know, not enough hours in the day. And I'd rather watch Netflix, you know, let's be honest, rather than a webinar at the end of the day. But, yeah, and the way I use webinars now is I use them as content generators. So I host a webinar, and if we don't get a huge amount of signups, then that's fine. However, we've got 30 or 45 minutes of, if we've run it as like a panel discussion, 
or even like a fireside chat, you know, you've got 45 minutes of really great content, like meaty, meaty content there. You can then repurpose and write some blogs or, you know, use kind of video snippets of some really great little sound bites that have been made. Yeah, videos, there's so many things that you can do with it. So having that really, really great piece of uh, hero content is is one, you know, one aspect of the growth hacking or one requirement. The second one is the story to tell. And I think people forget this. Like, it's, that's, this is where the basic marketing comes into it, right? Is, you know, the you know the why. It's like, we don't just want a growth hacking campaign because we've got great products we want to sell you. Like, why? What's the need? You know, what? Do, why do people need this product? And I think that's the key thing just to start off with. Um, I sort of said it the other way around, but yeah, start off with the why, as what's his name would say, Simon, is it Simon Sinek? Does he yeah. say, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, what's the why first? Yeah, I mean, and you have to define, it sounds like KPIs are like super important in growth hacking because you obviously need to pay a lot of attention to them so that you know if it's working and you can kill it quickly if it's not. And it's all about like achieving the results. So how do you, like when you have a hero piece and you have, you know, a story and you understand your why, how do you define what KPIs you should be focused on? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Well, I mean, the KPIs you want to be focused on at the end of it is that kind of that lead generation. So to give you an example of that, let's say part of this growth hacking campaign, um, let's say we had this webinar and then we're pushing out some, you know, some of the, the videos kind of takeaways on, you know, a PPC campaign. As part of it, that's one of the channels that we're using. If you find that we're not getting the kind of the clicks on that, people aren't, you know, um, watching the video or they're not converting, you know, after that into customers, basically at the end of it or into sales opportunities, then find another way. That's obviously not a good channel that people kind of want to consume or it's not the message isn't quite kind of like hitting. So, you know, let's think of another way. Um, it doesn't necessarily, I think, mean that that piece of content is, you know, is wrong. And that's the bit that's always sort of a bit hard is like to go back to that kind of story. But maybe we've just got to kind of tell it in a bit of a different way. But yeah, you just got to keep kind of like changing it up all the time, I think. I think one of the things in marketing, actually, we're talking about this a lot with, um, you know, some of my network, but we tell the same story like day in, day out, right? My company, we, we have a, a buy now, pay later solution that we provide for B2B firms and we talk about it, you know, every day in lots of different ways. So sometimes like we almost get, I don't want to say bored because I love it. I love my job and I love what we do. It's very exciting to me. But yeah, when you're telling the same story, like every day in your company, you sort of think, oh yeah, we've done that. We've done that. Or we've told that story to death. You haven't. Like there's so many people out there that have, have never heard it or even people that have heard it but just need to hear it a little bit like differently before actually it kind of resonates with them and they're able to kind of understand, you know, how it applies to them in their business. So, yeah, it's just kind of like repeat, repeat, repeat all the time. How often do growth hacking campaigns not work? I mean, it sounds great, right? It sounds like super, oh man, yet who doesn't want to hack their growth? It must be so easy. Is it actually as easy as it sounds? It. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. I think you have to be like really brutal as well. Because again, another thing like in marketing is that we get very like our cam- our campaigns are kind of and our assets that we produce are a bit like our babies, right? <laughs> you know, it's like I look at the sometimes again, I had this conversation recently. In fact, only this morning with someone where 
they were saying to me, why don't we kind of take a look at this white paper that we'd produced again? Because, you know, it was produced four months ago and, you know, there might be, let's take a look at kind of the imagery. Maybe we can, you know, sort of repurpose it. Maybe we need to put some more infographics. And I remember thinking in my head, like, you're talking about, it's like, it's beautiful, beautiful white paper. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't need to relook at it. I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we get sort of a little bit attached sometimes to some of the things that we do, because obviously it's, you know, a lot of time and effort has gone into it. But So yeah, when you say about growth hacking, kind of working versus not working, there's the stuff that doesn't work straight away and you have to like change it up. So it's constantly being able to be really super critical and, you know, just kind of look at what you're doing, not to like drag things out, you know, if it's not working, kind of kill it. But also, what's working today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work like in three months' time or six months' time. So, yeah, again, you have to be, you know, quite quite brutal and sort of strong and sort of think all the time, be like, that's why the data is so important because the data tells you the facts. You know, you, just, you can't get emotional about it. It might be an absolutely beautiful white paper, but you know, if people aren't downloading it or, you know, people aren't looking at it and consuming it, then, you know. <laughs> so it sounds like the hardest part about growth hacking is just being really brutal and not being emotionally attached to yeah. assets, but looking at the data behind, you know, if it's working, if it's not working, and then not being scared to kind of cut it if it's not working. I guess it goes back to that old saying of, like, failing fast. Yes. So, you know, not being scared to experiment and fail. I think a lot of, like, B2B companies especially are often quite scared of experimenting. I mean, they don't have the budgets that B2C companies have to experiment with new things and, you know, see if something would work. So, you know, spending 120 k to have a footballer wear something of yours that you might get on camera, you might not. You know, most B2B companies, especially the ones run by more, like, introverted people, definitely wouldn't go for that. So, I mean, how do you decide what percentage of your budget gets put into growth marketing compared to other marketing activities? I think that's got to be, again, like something that's decided not just at the at the marketing level. It's got to be a business decision and it's got to tie in with the company's goals. So, you know, the, if the company's goals lead to, you know, enter into a new territory or to launch a new product, then the kind of next question is, well, what is the go-to-market strategy then? How are we going to do that? And then, you know, if we was to, again, kind of use the terminology used at the start about it being more of that state of mind, it's like, okay, how is everybody in the business feeling about how much risk we're going to take on this? You know, are we going to go in with that state of like, you know, the state of mind being kind of growth hacking? You know, are we really going to go for this and be kind of really brutal and no, I was going to say the word aggressive then. I don't like that, but you know what I mean? Like really go for it. Or are we thinking about this a little bit more sort of long term and thinking more about kind of like building brand awareness? But, you know, again, the key is that everybody's got to be in the business, everybody in the business, right to the, you know, the founder level has got to be on the same page about that. Because if the marketing suddenly decide that they are going to go down the more long tail route, and build the brand awareness in the region, but then you've got sales coming and going, you know, <laughs> we're, we're two days in, you know, you launched two days ago, where's my leads? <laughs> how do you get everybody on the same page? Yeah, uh, that's... <laughs> the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the difficult bit. That's the bit that, to be honest with you, like, you know, even me as a, a kind of marketer, I've been in marketing for, you know, sort of, what, 20 odd years, and that's a... 
that's the kind of a, a journey that I've been on kind of as you as you sort of progressively sort of get more senior in your career and you have to really you know learn how to frame those conversations and it's hard but I think it comes down to asking a lot of questions like you know, marketers are very good at speaking the marketing language and, you know, giving all the data and, you know, this is kind of theoretically what this book says to do or, you know, I've done this in the past and this has worked for me. But the thing that I've learned is kind of having to ask the right questions. You know, what are we try trying to achieve? What does good look like? Where do you see yourself in, you know, in a year's time? In startup world, you know, a year is, is like 10 years. <laughs> so, you know, kind of break it down. Um, where do we kind of want to be? What do we want to achieve each quarter? And what does the rest of the business like look like? Because, you know, again, if we really are going into another region, for example, the go-to-market's got to include not just that kind of growth hacking, you know, building leads, but once we've generated leads, are there going to be salespeople there to, to follow it up? You know, are there going to be customer success people to be able to, you know, manage those and onboard those customers and then, you know, manage the relationship? And and then it's kind of like a whole feedback loop, you know, because marketing needs that success in order, you know, to measure performance, obviously, of the campaigns and then know where to go next, you know. Yeah. And I mean, getting everybody on the same page, like you said, <laughs> telling the sales team that, you know, it's not going to be leads on day two. So, I mean, how long should you wait before you start to see results? Obviously, you don't want to pull the plug too soon, but you obviously don't want to like wait forever if you're supposed to be brutal and quick. So, I mean, how do you know when to pull the plug or when to give something more time? Or, yeah, and I mean, what do you tell the salespeople who say it's day two? Where are my leads? <laughs> it's a really difficult question. Not Again, not trying to kind of dodge it, but there, there's no kind of like right or wrong or like simple answer to that. I mean, it is... It's, it's interesting, actually, you know, you know, over the years, I think, take PPC, for instance, I remember years ago, always being told to never run a campaign for any less than, you know, kind of six months, for example. But, you know, now it's, you know, I've heard people and, and I've done this myself, you know, where after a couple of months, if you're not seeing the results coming out of it, then, you know, it's not right. But I think one of the conversations I have constantly, actually, is that, you know, when you take those um, channels, for example, so you've got your kind of your marketing channels, you've got your kind of your PPC and, um, you know, email channel and, you know, social and those sorts of things. A lot of the conversation um, that I generally have with kind of non-marketing people, really, and like, you know, the management team of founders or whatever is, you know, does email channel work or does PPC work? Well, they all work. We know those channels work because otherwise they wouldn't exist, right? But it's about how you make them work. That's something like very, very different. So when we're running campaigns, you know, on kind of, you know, the PPC channel, just because those campaigns might not be bringing the success that we see, it doesn't mean that that channel doesn't work. It means that we need to revisit the campaign, like the messaging, or maybe it's the asset that we're using. Maybe we need to change up the call to action, you know, so... Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, if that's the case, then you know you've got that story that you want to tell as part of that growth hacking campaign. You know, if you're not seeing the results straight away, when we say about killing the campaign, you're not saying kill that campaign altogether. You're just saying, okay, take a look at that channel. Okay, do we need to kind of like change it up? Do we need a different asset or a different call to action or whatever? Or do we shift some of the budget from PPC into email because we've seen email kind of bring in more success? 
sounds like growth hacking is quite aware and involved with like the data and generating the leads. But how often do you look at the data? Are you in there every single day? Are you in there every single hour? Do you look at the results once a week, once a month? Like how often are you looking and analyzing the results of a growth growth hacking campaign? All of the above. <laughs> every second of every day, forever. <laughs> It's Even honestly, Sundays. I yeah, I when you if you meet kind of you know growth hacking people, they are like obsessed with numbers. It's literally like it's constant, you know. Like I can imagine cutting through, you know, their brain and just being like this cloud of kind of like you know numbers like just coming out. But yeah, it is always kind of really obsessive with tracking performance, you know, every step of the way. But the key difference, I suppose, in 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 that and not being just kind of purely obsessive about the numbers the key thing that they need to have is be able to also track the kind of the trends so you know there might be some kind of you know seasonal differences in there or something or you know um yeah it's it's be able to kind of like not just attract the numbers but have that kind of like question over it as well like why might this be happening and you know what can i do to kind of like influence it but yeah definitely all of the above tracking it every single minute of every day, but also having that long, a bit of a longer term of like, you know, weekly, monthly kind of tracking so that you can see the trends. And if you, um, I mean, if you wanted to like learn more about growth hacking, I mean, where did you learn about growth hacking? Was it just, did you just pick it up on the job? Did you, is it a really great book? Like, where did you learn about growth hacking? So there's kind of two things. Like, I always say like, when I kind of sort of introduce myself, I think, when I think back over my marketing career, I've always been a certain type of marketer. I am a, a naturally kind of like performance, sort of commercially sort of driven marketer. I've always been kind of more on the the marketing sort of performance and ops side and the sales side. You know, in previous roles where I've worked for startups, you have to get your hands dirty and, and kind of do everything. And and I did a lot of kind of, you know, business development. I had to kind of step in, step into that role and, you know, follow up with some of those like web leads that were coming through myself because we just didn't have, you know, like BDRs or SDRs. So, you know, I've always really, really kind of enjoyed that. So a lot of that has kind of come naturally to me. And I think, you know, even before like growth hacking was a thing, you know, there were still people like me that enjoyed that kind of performance side of thing and, and tracking and measuring and being very like growth driven. I've never really been interested in, or as interested, I am interested, sorry, as interested in kind of the brand and the, you know, like the writing sort of side of it and, um, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, so I've always kind of been, you know, interested in that and and lent towards that. And then I think, you know, things like kind of podcasts, definitely, I listen to a lot of podcasts and talking to people. I think one of the things I've learned, definitely learned more in the later part of my career as I've sort of got older is the value of the network around you, um, which is huge. And I think when you're younger, you tend to think it's like a skill-based thing that you need to like, I need to go on a course to skill up, or I need to, you know, to do these online courses or whatever, you know, but, or I need to read this book. But actually the amount of value that I get from just sitting down and having a coffee with one of my peers, like reaching out to someone and saying like, you know, can we just have a catch up? And we bounce ideas off of each other and becoming part of, you know, communities and networks. And, you know, I'm a board advisor for uh, the FinTech B2B marketing network, which is absolutely fantastic because just literally everyone in the room that's all, 
you know, have the same problems. It's a little bit like therapy. Like <laughs> you can kind of sit with a people, bunch of people, and you know, thrash ideas around. And you know, and someone at some point has been there, done that, and they can offer some advice, and you can reciprocate, right? So there is the element of kind of skilling up to it. I think you can go and have a look. There's a ton of you know webinars and podcasts and courses you can look at. But I'd say more just be a little bit ballsy. Look for people on LinkedIn that are you know, like talking about growth hacking and like reach out to them and say like, even like, can we have a, you know, a catch up on Zoom, have a virtual coffee, virtual glass of wine. <laughs> can I pick your brains on something? So I think people love talking and, you know, about something they're passionate about, right? So. And uh, I mean, any final advice for people starting off on their growth marketing journey? Oh, yeah, and it goes back to that, that the bit that's the hardest, I'm sorry, but like being totally in line with the business because I'll hold my hands up and say, you know, that I've definitely been in situations in the past where you've been doing marketing and you kind of, you think, you know, sort of what works or it, not you think, you know, but, you know, things have worked for you in the past. But in the world of marketing, what works today doesn't necessarily work tomorrow. And I think you can kind of go off, you know, almost, you know, almost kind of go into a box or, <laughs> you know, go off and, and kind of start digging a hole and, you know, do all of this really, really great marketing and like produce really amazing pieces of content and, you know, increase brand awareness. But then if it's not bringing in the leads, which is what the business wants of you and expects of you, then, you you know, you, you're not going to be successful, you know. So, yeah, the growth hacking definitely speak to the rest of the business, sales, management, you know, customer success. Just get everyone in a room and kind of say, you know, learn about this new thing, growth hacking. And here's what I understand about it and where we can kind of, you know, test and learn. I don't think we need to get an expert in, but, you know, I think there's some small strategies that we could do here to kind of test to see whether it works for us. But, you know, is everybody on board and what do we want out of it? You know, ask those questions. You'd be really surprised at how willing, I think, you know, other departments are to get on board with it if it's going to make them look successful, right? Yeah, I mean, if it's going to make them look good, then they should be into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today. It's been a really great episode. I've learned so much about growth hacking and learned that it's not just all about PPC, which <laughs> was a light bulb moment for myself. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining me Brilliant. today. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. Thank you, Lucy, for joining me on Tech Marketers Uncorked. You can find out more about Lucy by following her on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Catherine Strachan, CEO of Coffeehouse, an award-winning B2B content marketing agency for fast-growing fintech and technology brands. If you're looking for a place to pick up the best marketing insights in 2023, our specialist at Coffeehouse got you covered. Find us at coffeehouse.io. The link's in the show notes. See you next time.